Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Good morning. Good to see you all. We've got an awesome panel as well as Jared. So um, just wanted to clarify that. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your ministry to us. Uh, I'll, I'll go through the process of... Just turn this around so I get a better seat. I'll go through the process of introducing these people to you, and um, then we'll get into what we're here for. As you know, we're, we've been going... <clears throat> or we're in the middle of a series called A New House, and we're talking about the church. We're talking about the way the church operates. We're talking about... Um, the changes that we think are coming. The reality is this, um, the church is changing. I'm not talking just about our own local church, but the church in our nation and in the nations of the world. There is, it's, it's going through a, a process of transition. And some people will say, oh, it's just because of COVID. It's not just because of COVID. All that's actually happened over the last couple of years has accelerated the change the church is experiencing, especially in the West. And and what we've been doing, um, I'm just getting a whole echo. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but maybe it's from here. Um, but, you know, what we want to do is talk more about what that means for all of us in the future and the way we need to think and the way we need to act. And so what we've done this morning is we've got um, three members of our oversight. Our oversight is made up of Ruth and myself, Trent and Sarah, Jared, James and Simon. And Katie is here with us as well this morning. Katie, as most of you already know by now, she's taken over responsibility for our, our youth. And um, it started really well. And I'll just be nice and leave it right there. It's like, <laughs> it's just gone off the charts. That, that There was an old fella that was leading it. And, and But anyway. But, um, as, you know, we all joke and muck around. But, you know, the governance of our church is really important. And... Um, we, we call it an oversight, which, uh, and the reason we call it an oversight, it doesn't mean people are not elders. Uh, the reason we call it an oversight is not everyone who's on the oversight is necessarily an elder in that sense, but what we need is a, a broad range of, uh, of experience to make decisions for the church going forward. And so Jared, as much as we joke and muck around, he's also the CEO of um, a large company in Australia, but also it's a global company. He's, I think, the CEO in Japan and India, uh, as well as Australia, and serves on their international leadership team. So while he's a great guy and a great contributor to our local church and adds an element of humour to us all, he's actually also a very experienced businessman and we appreciate what he brings to the table. James and Simon have both been on, how many years have you guys been on the oversight now? Be five years? Something like that? Yeah, well, the, the plan was this. When we appointed James and Simon, we wanted some young guys on the team. And um, <laughs> I think their term is coming to an end, obviously, because they're no longer young guys. <laughs> but um, James, for many years, worked as an accountant at KPMG and now is involved in, um, in, in the Waterman business and um, takes a significant leadership role there. And, and we wanted James in particular, not, not just because of his um, business experience, but his integrity. I, I, I've always seen James, he's, he's sort of like a pillar, not a pillow, a pillar. Um, <laughs> and um, 
but but he's a strong, stable, mature guy, um, and, and again, has exercised wisdom. Simon has been involved on the ministry side of the church for many years, especially through music, and uh, he and Katie led the, the creative team for many years, and he brings a different perspective. Again, he's much more of a creative than James would be, um, <laughs> but but the goal, obviously, for the church is... is um, to ensure that we have wisdom that goes through many years. And, you know, being involved in a governance team in the church, it does take years of knowing what the church is like and, um, and understanding the people that, that are here and all that sort of thing. And then Katie's, uh, I think you're saying, is a business marketing and um, a, a, as well as doing that, she's leading the youth and a bunch of other things. So um, we appreciate these people. We appreciate what they bring to the table. But what I am going to ask them, and I think the first question looks like, I think Jared was preaching, it's, I can see his iPad or tablet or whatever, he's, he's got truckloads of things to say, which is not unusual, but, <clears throat> but, but what, the reason, the reason we're doing this is, you know, there's a passage of scripture in First Chronicles 12 and verse 32, and it says simply this, uh, speaking about the men of Issachar, and it said that they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Now, that's such a, a bland statement in many ways, but what it's, what it's saying is they, they could read the culture, they could read the circumstances, but then they also had wisdom to know what to do during those times, and they were highly valued, and, um, and, and so these people ideally would come to the table bringing both wisdom, spiritual maturity, and collectively, we're trying to find the mind of God on what God's purpose and plan is for the church going forward. That's why they're here. So um, I've just asked them a simple question. Some of them have uh, had, or they've all pre-prepared or seen some of the questions. And the first is this, you know, tell us, maybe we'll start with you, Jared. There's a time limit. So t tell us what's your take. <laughs> tell us what's your take on what's been happening with the church and the world around us and some of those things. Yeah, for sure. I'll keep it brief so we leave some time for the other people. But hmm. I mean, it doesn't take um, a genius to work out that our world has changed. And I mean, our lives, there's change all the time. But when the winds of change blow through, we can normally cope with it, no worries at all. But I think this has been like an earthquake type change where there's something that's happened foundational, that's moved the foundation of our lives and of our church. And I think um, for me, and I've been thinking about it a lot, is I believe um, that is not a bad thing. Because pre-COVID, we were getting into like a routine, and my, I felt even for myself sometimes, the church started to feel a little bit routine. And when it starts to feel routine, it starts to feel pedestrian. When it starts to feel pedestrian, it becomes less of a priority. And so I believe that the foundational move that's happening in the times that we're in is not a bad thing. And I believe God's calling us to back to really assess, well, what is the church? And more importantly, who is the church? Because the church was becoming potentially a faceless organization that filled up some time on a Sunday morning. And I believe that in these times of change, we're being really challenged about what is church? And I believe God's saying, it's you. Thanks. That was amazingly brief for you, Jared. I was... <laughs> no pressure. You shocked me. <laughs> no, thank, thanks. Uh, Simo. Yeah, cool. Oh, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, look, I, I sort of tend to agree with a lot of, of what Jared said. I think, you know, what it, 
all of the change that, that has certainly come about, it sort of forces each of us to reevaluate. I think. Um, and like you said, that's the part that I don't think is a bad thing at all. It's not necessarily a comfortable thing at times, but sometimes being forced to reassess what your own personal foundations are can be a healthy thing. Um, I think the world we live in today, oftentimes we're not really encouraged to put in that personal effort to kind of figure out, hang on, what are our core values, core ideals, structures and, and all that of our own lives because when we're going through such busyness, um, you know, those things are kind of told to us as, you know, this, this is how you should be or act. So I think that's something that I know I've found personally, this, this season of change has kind of forced me to, to do some, some inner thinking and, and re-evaluating which the end result is a, is a positive, I think. Excellent. Thanks, Simo. Katie? Yeah. Um, I would agree with what both Simo and Jared said, but I think... Um, you know, over the past few years, the church has experienced a lot of criticism and a lot of judgment, you know, and that's, you know, because of COVID, but it's also because of a lot of other things. And it, I don't know, it, it feels like the church has been under a microscope and everything that we do, every action that we do is just being critically analysed, which on one hand, I don't think is a bad thing because that makes us reevaluate. okay, where we are as a church, where are we going, what's our real intention here, um, okay, let's pull back some of those layers, what's really happening underneath, but then on the other hand, it creates almost this level of fear because, okay, if I go out and, and I say this or I say that or I share my opinion, what I truly believe, then I'm going to get judged by this, so I'm going to get criticised by this person. So I think it's honestly left us in this almost awkward place of we are seeing things being revealed to us that we haven't seen before, but also are we scared, are we nervous to go out and truly do what God has called us to do? Mm, thanks, Katie. That's great. James? Pip yeah, doesn't like your voice, obviously. Answer. They were supposed to cut Jared off, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so I timed, I timed you. You were 90 yeah, seconds. You've got to be quicker. So. Um, yeah, no, great answer. Absolutely. That's, that's fantastic. Again, agree, agree with, everyone, with what everyone said. Um, when you sent the question through, I actually took a moment to think about, you know, when it feels like everything's changing, you know, let's, what is it that's, that's not changing as well? And I think it's important to remember that there are a bunch of really important things that aren't changing mm. and, and change has been accelerated, but, you know, what's not changing is who God is. He's the same Amen. yesterday, today, tomorrow. His promise and his love for us isn't changing. His calling and his commands to us isn't changing. Relationships not changing. And he's the greatest commandment, which is to love him and to love our neighbour it's not changing. So it's just how we do it in the world we're in that's going to change. But the fundamentals of why we follow Jesus, we're not changing at all. Mm. Thanks, James. It's interesting, you know, uh, Katie mentioned that the church has been criticised in, in many ways for a whole bunch of different reasons. I know as a leader in the church, and uh, not just speaking here, but, you know, across, our, across the nation, We've been constantly criticised about our response to COVID. There's people that think we should stand against the government. There's people that think we should be protesting against lockdowns. There's, everyone's got an opinion about what the church should be doing. Um, and it's easy to have an opinion when you don't have to make the decision. 
It's a whole different thing when you've got to make the decision. Um, opinions are tested then. And, you know, what we've done both nationally and locally is tried to make what we consider to be the wisest decision um, given the circumstances. And, you know, there is so much information about uh, the floating about, some of which is true, some of which is not true. And um, working out even then what you believe and what you don't believe with regard to some of the information that, that was flowing with the, okay, well, let's, let's do this. And, um, and that's why wisdom is so important. Does that mean we've done everything right? No, it doesn't, you know. Um, but what we've tried to do is our very best given the challenges that the church faces. And, and, and Katie also said, you know, the church has been criticised and, you know, it, what, what really hurts me is when the church over the last 20, 30 years has lost its influence in society like it once had. And, um, and one of the contributing factors to that is the behaviour of the leaders of the church. And, um, and, and you know, sin is still sin. And um, it, it's just disappointing to see the way the church has been damaged by the activity of some of the leaders in the church, not... Uh, not only in our own nation, but in, in other nations as well. You know, I, I, as a young Christian, I grew up on some of Bill Heibel's stuff. And, you know, when I found out what had happened there, that was devastating because I thought, hang on, everything I read, it, it's like one of his books, one of the first books was Who Are You When No One's Looking? And I thought, I love that book. But then I thought, wow, um, it didn't expect you know, what he did to come out like it did and found out that he wasn't what we thought he was. Um, so what significant changes do, we, do you see we need to make both practically and theologically? And one of the significant theological shifts most people wouldn't be aware of is this. When we went to church online, meaning the church globally, uh, there were, is a significant portion of the church that were dead against it. Not, I'm, I'm talking in a global sense, not in a local sense. Uh, they believed that church wasn't possible online. They believed it theologically wasn't correct. And it's amazing how those critics, because church online has been around since about 2006, 2007, but uh, there was a whole bunch of people that believed it was wrong, that it wasn't the right thing to do. It's funny how those voices quietened down when they realised there was no other option. They thought, oh, no, 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 it's a, it's a reasonable thing to do. So what do you, what do you guys um, think? You know, what significant changes do we need to make, perhaps practically or theologically or in mindset? Um, we'll go back to you, Jared. Yeah, it's a good question. And I think um, whenever we hear the word significant change, human behaviour tends to run from that. Mm. Um, so I don't think there's actually... I don't know whether I'd call it significant change but there's certainly change we need to do to respond to the changing environment. Because, you know, we can be like the old oak tree that when the winds of change blow through, the old oak tree gets ripped out and blown over. Or we can be like the bamboo. When the winds of change came through, it flexes and, and is still there standing. But, and I don't see a big distance between practically and theologically. And, and touching on what James said, um, God's promises remain the same. And I believe... We're, this whole salt and light thing is becoming even more prevalent now for us as people of faith. And I believe our Great Commission is still the same. We're called to make disciples. Mm. The challenge for us is you can't do that working from home. Mm. You can't do that from behind a screen. So in the practical sense, society is splitting into this 
fractured remote working, remote community type environment. So as Christians, we need to be confident in how we're going to respond to that. And it means we need to be more intentional about reaching out and standing in the gap for people. And it means we're going to have to get out of our homes to do it. So I really think from a, from a change perspective, that's, that's one thing we, we need to consider. But I also believe, you know, in, an, in a roundabout way, the circumstances of the last year has stripped away all the noise. I mean, we've been stuck in our homes for two years. Um, and outside of Netflix, there's the Word of God. Mm. And I believe God's calling us back to the Word of God. And I think he's stripping away all the noise and now our lives are starting to return back to some level of normality. I've started travelling a lot for my job and all the rest of it. And I was saying to Wayne, it, you know, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't wish upon lockdown conditions, but I'd be happy for lockdown to come again. <laughs> so I'm at home and I love the nine o'clock curfew when the kids' boyfriends or the girls' boyfriends had to leave by nine. Because, <laughs> I mean, I didn't have to kick him out at half past ten. But um, all joking aside, I believe... We can think about it as change, but we have to do that anyway in response to the current environment. But we've got to hold on to God's promises. And as James said, there's elements that haven't changed. And the Great Commission is still the Great Commission. We're called to make disciples. And we do that through love and grace and forgiveness and understanding. And we do that with people. We do not do it working from home and through our screens. Thanks, James. Yeah. Oh, we're working now. <laughs> well done, guys. Um, yeah, yeah, gosh, what can you add? I mean, that, 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 that sums it up all pretty well, I think. I, um, when you talk about what needs to change um, theologically and, and practically, I, I kind of took the view that, you know, um, we should never really change, you know, what we believe to be our theology or what we interpret from the Bible. We can't say, oh, because world circumstances are different. I'm just going to change my interpretation of that. Thank you. They were hoping I'd have that microphone. Yeah, I've <laughs> been cut off twice. Um, yeah, so it's, in, it's important that, uh, um, you know, we don't kind of, you know, change our interpretation of the word because of the circumstance. We, we, allow, we allow God to do that through genuine revelation um, of the word. And then, and then practically, it's just all the things you said about people work different hours, they've got different family structures, um, you know, Sunday, 10 a.m. just doesn't necessarily work, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all anymore. So how we, how we minister and how we care for one another has just got to change with, uh, with the times, really. Excellent. Thanks, James. Katie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that from, from a youth perspective, I can share. Um, I, we as a, as a youth team really feel as though God is calling our youth ministry out. He's not, he doesn't want us to stay within our little four walls in the theatre, our comfort zone. He wants us to go out into our community. And, and kind of touching on what Wayne was saying before is, you know, over the last few years, the church's influence has decreased. And it almost feels like we need a, I mean, my marketing brain is coming through, but we need a rebrand, you know? Mm. We need to almost build up our reputation again. Um, 
to, so that when people think of the church, they think of people who are generous. They think of people who are loving, who are compassionate. They think of people who will go out of their way to go and help those who need help the most. So as youth ministry, we feel really challenged in this, but I don't think it's just us as youth ministry. I mm. think God is calling us as Christians, yeah, both individually and as a collective, to go out into our community. So, um, you know, we're doing an outreach program with the kids on Friday nights where we're going to go into our community and just physically do the Lord's work and physically go and help. So, yeah, I think that obviously that's going to be a change. That takes a while. You know, you can't just change someone's mind like that. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think that it's a change that God is calling all of us as a collective to make. Excellent. You know, as far as marketing goes, I think the most powerful thing is what Jesus said. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by yeah. the love you have for one another. And, you know, the church hasn't been known for that, yet Jesus said it, you know, 2,000 years ago, this is how, what you should be known for. And um, so, yeah, great, Katie. Simo. Oh, there we go. Brilliant. Um, firstly, I think our youth's in pretty good hands, eh? Don't you reckon? <laughs> um, that was fantastic. And I think the same thought came to mind, Wayne. I think it's in John 12 or 13 or something. It speaks exactly of that. And I think the, the uh, why doesn't change. It's just the how, I guess, mm. is the easiest way to kind of frame it in my mind. And that kind of leads to two thoughts, I suppose. Um, you know, there's, there's content and there's learning from a church perspective, which I think our services and online and, and all that, it's actually a really exciting time because we can get basically content, ministry, learning, teaching like never before. So that's that's a real power, powerful thing. I think the challenge that, that we're going to find is, is the community side of church. And I think that's something that, you know, we'll keep... Um, you know, innovating and, and finding out new ways and better ways of doing that. But I think that's that's the part where over the last few years we've probably realised as a as a church that hey, how do we maintain that connection? Um, obviously, we can still reach people online. Um, there's people online today, um, but how do we not lose the community of church? Like you said mm. in that in that scripture, how will they know that you are my disciples by the love you have for one another? That takes time to build. You know, you can't build those that love for one another without living life together, basically. So I think that's the the shift that yeah, figuring yeah. out ways to do that. Excellent. And and you know, the church is always a community of people, and um, unless there's interaction. Uh, it, 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 people don't feel like they're part of the community. The next question is, are, are there things that concern you outside of your control? Uh, we don't want long lists, but are there things, uh, you know, around the church that we're concerned about that are outside of your control? Uh, go for it, Jared. I, f I figured anyone would just jump in, but <laughs> that's okay. I was going to say my children at times. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> It's okay, the church is in good hands, trust us. <laughs> I think there's absolutely things, and it's more societal than it is within the church, but when it happens in society, it ends up in the church. And in many ways, we're more connected than we've ever been. I mean, I've got seven ways on my iPad and my iPhone that I can connect with friends and colleagues on the other side of the world as if they were in the room. WhatsApp, you know, Microsoft Teams, email, Zoom, you know, you name it. But the reality is we're more disconnected than we've ever been before. 
And my concern is that we are accepting a very poor form of connection as being relationship, and that's not what it is. Mm. So we need to be having an honest dialogue about what does relational and human connection really look like, and it is not the things that I describe. They serve a purpose, and I'm not boohooing them, um, but nothing replaces sitting in a room with someone and really connecting and look, because communication, when you look at what communication is, James and I can communicate, but communication is more listening than it is talking. And we've communicated when he receives the message that I intend to give him. Not when I just talk a lot and tick the box and finish the call and go, thank goodness that's over. So I'm worried about that, but I'm more worried about the breakdown of priority of relationship in society. And I have a deep concern that we are prioritising my own individual rights and a sense of entitlement over a sense of community. And when that happens... There's got to be people that stand in the gap. And that's why I genuinely believe God is calling his people to wake up. He's calling his people to stand up. And he's, as Katie said, and I love that pearl of wisdom, we've got to get out of our homes. And we've got to stand in the gap for people who may have, not intentionally, but they're full of fear or whatever. I mean, you only need to look in our church at the division that's happened in COVID. Vaccine versus unvaccinated. Come together versus stay at home. There's families that are split over arguments around those subjects. So that's my concern, is that society is prioritising one's own individual rights and sense of entitlement over community connection and relationship, and I worry about where that's going to end up. That's good. Thanks, Jared. Katie? Yeah. Um, I think take a bit of a different approach to Jared, but I think... See, this... I. Um, Sorry, words would be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, whether this is in our control or not in our control, I think is up to decipher. Um, but I know a lot of people have been turned away from Christ because of human error. Mm. And what, like what Wayne was saying before, you know, um, some choices that people in the church have made have really hurt other people. And if that's the reason why people are no longer a believer in Christ, I just think, well, is that something that we can change? Now, we, we are all sinners. We are not perfect. Not one of us is. And Scripture clearly tells us that. But, you know, we, we can make an effort to not judge. And we can make an effort to accept everyone. And we can make an effort to really seek God in those tough, tough choices that we have to make. And I would hope that through that, and if we do that, then a lot of people would not feel the way that they have in the past. Does that mm. make sense? And, and I, ju I just know too many people who have been hurt by mm. the church and they're no longer a believer in Christ and honestly hurts my heart because it's like if that's the reason why, yeah. is that something that we can change? Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Katie. Simon? Yeah, um, I think like a thought or a scripture that comes to mind is be quick to listen, I think it's in James, quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Definitely outside of our control, but I, at times I can sort of look at the world around us and think that's kind of spun the other way around, you know. Um, we're very quick to respond instantly and it's often out of anger. Mm. Um, so I think that's something that is you know, concern or a thought that goes through my mind is how as a church can we model 
a different approach to to interacting with others, you know. Being quick to listen means you've got to listen and consider, ponder before a response. And I think that's a, it's a skill that is, is probably not taught a lot, but is a really powerful thing when it comes to just understanding one another and, and, and going through life with one another. So I think that's, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Simo. James. Yeah, um, short one for me. Uh, sometimes I, I concern I have is that, you know, we have a, a right to freedom of religion in this country, which is, which is fantastic, um, but it, it almost feels like the, that, that right is somewhat shrinking or, or the places in which we can have views or express those views is narrowing and um, you kind of think, well, am I free to have a religious viewpoint in, anymore? Um, it's like we're all allowed to have a view so long as we agree with the mainstream. If not, you can't have a view, and, and that's, that's concerning. Mm, that's good. Thank you. Um, just a couple of quick ones to finish, um, I, and I'm going to pile three together so you can just answer as you want to. But, you know, the questions are, what do you think the church will look like in 10 or 20 years' time? Uh, obviously, being positive is important, um, but at the, while we can be positive, we've also got to be realistic, you know. Uh, it's not one or the other, it's both going together. We, we don't want to create some artificial, uh, the, world's, the world's dying, but we're staying positive. Uh, we, we, we've got to work with what's real around us, as well as maintaining a sense of faith and confidence that things will work out. Um, it, it's, and then finally, I said, what are your final words from your perspective? So I'm just going to give you guys you, uh, the opportunity of responding however you want to those things, and, um, and then we'll, we'll call it quits. Thanks. Simo, you're up. Sure. Thank you. I'll take that one by those three. Um, <laughs> yeah, where do you start? Um, look, I think the, from the reality point of view in terms of where the church might be in, say, 10 or 20 years, I mean... Obviously, it's where we decide to take it as, as people, I suppose, as the church. But, you know, to be, I would love to see the church in that time be a place that is connected again. You know, my heartfelt kind of thought of that is that I actually think the church is going to be a lot of smaller groups of people. It is kind of how I, I see it. There's probably going to be, you know, larger gatherings like this at times, but I think lots of smaller communities because that's, that's the need that's crying out in the world at the moment is, is connection. It, mm. Personally, that, that's just this kind of the view um, that I have on that, and I think that's something that, um, yeah, that could be what it looks like, I suppose. Um, from a final thought, and this is something I think about quite often, is, you know, we... I believe that the, one of the biggest challenges that we face as a church and as a society is actually distraction. I think we, we are extremely distracted as a society and it's very easy to be distracted. And I'm speaking about myself as well, very much so. Um, but something that's kind of been boiling in my heart recently is that the Holy Spirit is, is real and incredibly powerful, right? Um, but that's a relationship that we need to build. And I think the, the church will, or has opportunity to progress if we can fight hard against the distraction that's constantly in our face, um, everywhere, be that online um, or, or anywhere, you don't have to look far, um, and really just connect with the, with the Holy Spirit again and allow him to direct our thoughts, our decisions and, and our direction. And I think, um, 
yeah, that's that's something that I'm challenged with and, and would leave as a as a thought to, to consider, I suppose. Thanks. Thanks, Simo. Katie. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't know where the church will be in 10, 20 years, <laughs> but who does? You know, we we hope we know where it will be, um, but at the end of the day, God is going to decide where the church will be. So I, I hope that the church will be a, a group of generous people. I hope that the church will be a place where anyone can just walk through the doors and feel welcomed automatically. Um, but, you know, the, the church is it's an assembly of the body of Christ. Mm. And like what uh, Simo was saying, I think our idea of assembly is actually going to change. You know, it, the, the traditional sense of assembly is this. You know, we all come together Sunday 10 a.m., um, but as we've seen in COVID, it's changing. You know, you can assemble online. You can assemble in your car. You know, there's, there's different plates, places where we can assemble and be connected. And so I, I reiterate what Simo was saying in that, you know, maybe in 20 years, our Sunday 10 a.m. is out, or, you know, we won't be able to feel, I mean, um, sorry, we won't be able to have everyone in the auditorium because we'll be too big, so we'll be meeting in people's houses and small groups. You know, like, we, we don't know what it will be like, but I definitely think that our traditional sense of assembly is changing. Um, but, yeah, in terms of final thoughts, I would... I guess what's really on my heart at the moment is that there's a scripture in, I'm pretty sure it's Mark chapter 2, verse 17, and it says, it's not the healthy who need a sick, but, sorry, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. There yeah. we go. Um, and so I am personally challenged with that. As a youth ministry, we're challenged with that. And I think as a church, we should be challenged with that too. Um, and asking ourselves, what are we doing personally to go out to the people who need Jesus the most? Mm. Thanks, Katie. Awesome. Thanks, James. I think we found one of those young people you were looking for, Wayne. <laughs> um, look, final, final thought from me is that all of this stuff at times can cause us to be worried, um, but I, I think it's important that we, we don't. I'm reminded that, you know, when Jesus came, he did not go into politics. Um, he was not a military or, or a government person. He, he went to the street and loved people in need. And so... You know, we're not going to change the world through a political agenda. It's not going to happen. Um, but if we just love those that are in need, then, then we're fulfilling God's commandments and we're going to be more effective that way than trying to change society through, through politics anyway. Mm. Thanks, James. Excellent. Um, where will the church be in 10 to 20 years? I mean, who knows? But what I do know is that we, I, we have a role in what the church looks like today and in the most immediate need of the future. Um, I think the church um, will be multifaceted, as, as the team here have said. I don't think it will be one single gathering. I think there'll be online, there'll be small groups. It's going to have to be multi-channeled in the way that we connect with people. But it's going to be on a foundation of connection and relationship. It has to be. Because that's what Jesus said we're called to do. Um, I think the church is going to be called greatly to create hope and to create vision. And I don't know about you, but in the COVID times, the thing that really drove me mad um, was there was no narrative in the media about hope and vision, which made people feel hopeless. Mm. 
So, you know, and that created all sorts of issues outside of the, the challenges of COVID and it got to the point where the cure became worse than the disease. So I think the church um, will look radically different in 10 to 20 years. But I also think, and I think someone said it here, we've also got to be open to being comfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm. Because there's going to be a lot of broken people in the future that are going to need to come to a house like this. And we've got to love on them and accept them without first sitting in the seat of judgment. Mm. Just think about that for a minute. What would we do if someone walked in that door who didn't fit our ideal model of what a Christian should look like? What are you going to do? And until we get comfortable in the uncomfortable, we will be part of the spiritual problem and not part of the spiritual solution. Mm. So I think we've got to get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And I love what James said um, about not worrying, because I wrote exactly the same thing. We do not need to worry. Worry is one of the most unhelpful emotions in our human nature. There, sure, we can be concerned, but the moment you let it fall over into worry, and then worse, you make camp there, that's when it starts to feel hopeless. And good heavens, we're people that have hope. We're people that are called to give hope to the hopeless. You know, so we've, we've got to get a fresh hold of God's word for our lives. And he says he will never leave us nor forsake us. And the scripture I had here was, um, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Whoa. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid, John 14, 27. And, you know, as I'm talking, you're probably thinking, oh, that guy sounds like he's got it all together. Clearly, he didn't have any worries in COVID. Far from it. I went through moments where there were dark periods and I didn't want to go to work. I hated working from home. You know, our family, my kids went through challenges with online school and all the rest of it. But I want to share with you, and this is such a great song, Raise a Hallelujah by Bethel. And for me, it's a war cry. I grew up in a town where we did a fair bit of scrapping in New Zealand, so call me a warrior, but, you know, we settled things not by love and grace. We were the angry ones. But it says here, I'm going to, and I love this, because even in the darkest moments, I want you to put on this song, and it says, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. The King is alive. So, so no matter what you're going through today or what you're facing, put that song on. And don't just listen to it. I want you to sing it. I want you to be on your feet. I want you to be punching the air. I want you to be fighting for your right as people of faith that we have nothing to worry about. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. Not mm, louder and louder. Yeah. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated. Mm. The King is alive. Hold on to that. Excellent, thanks. Let's put our hands together. Thank each of them. Thanks, guys. The sons of Issachar were commended because they understood the times in, what, in which they lived, but they also knew what to do in those times. Your wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge. Knowledge Knowledge is everywhere. You can access anything you want on the internet. Whether or not you've got wisdom is a whole nother. Wisdom is proved right by our actions. You know, if we lack wisdom, we can ask God for it. And I, I appreciate uh, these guys and all that they've shared today. And the goal was simply this, to challenge you to think. Think about the future. You know, speculate. 
but ultimately get back to where, uh, where Jared finished, and that is exercise hope. God's got it all sorted. You know, we can say, oh, the church has gone through tumultuous change. It has. It's gone through this before in the last 2,000 years, multiple times. It's been tested and tried, and God has prevailed through the church. And I believe he's going to continue to do that. So thanks for today. Next week, we're going to continue in the same theme. We're going to have a bunch of younger people, and we're going to get them to share some more of their perspective. And some of you say, well, why? What's important? To understand the times, we need to understand the people who are going to lead the way in the, in the next 5, 10, and 15 years. And you don't understand their perspective if you're not their age. Um, you, you need to understand that because they've grown up with a whole different um, agenda uh, in the media and everything. Some of the things that you've experienced, you, you see the media and you push it away. They've grown and they've not had previous experience. So they hear it, believe it, and it's, it's a part of who they are. So look forward to that. And let's believe that God will do something profound. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.